X groups, message each other, encourage each other. It's going to be a wonderful time of five days of prayer. Um, we're going to be going through the book of Hosea, well, a short passage of it. Um, but Kerry has done a fantastic job on that booklet. So you have to have a look. I just made it look neat and pretty. <laughs> he, he wrote all the content. <laughs> but we really sense God speaking to us this year. And I want to ask you, when last did you hear God's voice? Maybe this time, maybe this time, God's going to have something special for you. And so let's make the most of it this morning. Kerry, we also got some registration every week. Can you give us an update on how to do that? So as you guys know, you're in the building, so you made the cut this week. Our numbers (laughs) are currently limited to 50 people, which is tiny, guys. It fills up really, really fast. Um, And for that very reason, we have decided that just for a short season, we're no longer going to have our kids join us for the start of the service. And so from the moment you arrive on site, if you have children from age three to grade four, they will go straight to the uh, hall complex, the children's ministry complex, and adults will come here so that we can get the most number of adults in the building as possible. And then as soon as our numbers increase, we would love to welcome our kids back here so we can have family worship and prayer time together. And so if you missed the cutoff for this week, and I know that you're probably very disappointed, registration for next week will open on Monday morning, and we will give preference to new registrations. And so those that are in the building today, if you sign up on Monday, we will give your spot away to someone who wasn't able to attend today. And so please do still sign up, um, but we would love to give other people an opportunity to be in the building. We have 600 adults in our church database, and we can only have a maximum of 150 on a Sunday across our three services. And so we do still just need to be uh, mindful that we are a family as a church and to give everyone a turn at the table. So, guys, we are also hoping secretly that government is going to increase the numbers to 100. So please be in prayer. Um, please, we're going to ask the Lord for a way for us to continue to gather as a, as a family in a bigger way. And we're hoping it's going to be this week, hey, Kerry? Hopefully the There's presence... There's apparently still an address scheduled for tomorrow evening, so, so we're waiting with bated breath. So please be in prayer for that. But we can still get together this week of those five days of prayer and a day of fasting on Friday. So let's make the most of it as a family. So... One last thing, Matt. Do you want it? Yes. Um, We just, as a staff, due to COVID, we're all working very strange hours. And so we've all kind of um, juggled who's on site when, pastors are taking different off days. And as a result, we're not all on site all the time. And with different pastors taking off days on different days, we're not all available all the time. And so we have just asked if you could please, if you need to get hold of a pastor, phone via the church office. Debbie knows who is currently working or who's taking some off time or family time and she'll be able to direct your call accordingly. We don't want you to be phoning Matt on his off day and then just think he's ignoring you and take it personally. When Matt's off, he literally puts his phone on silent and ignores everybody. So it's not just you he's ignoring, and we don't want anything that's important to go unattended. And so phone us at the office. Debbie will let you know who's available. She'll take your details. We'll phone you back, and a pastor will be able to serve you. There's someone available to serve you every day. Um, We just want to make sure that you get through to the right person. Thank you, Kerry. That includes my dad. He he can't even get hold of me on my day off, so um, he shares your pain. Uh, This is a very exciting morning for us in some ways, um, also very important because we haven't been able to have our AGM, which was due for January, and we were planning to give some very uh, important feedback to you as a church. Uh, Last week it was my mom and dad and their new season um, concerning eldership, but this week we're going to be looking at uh, new seasons on staff. And so uh, where is Dane? Come on, Dane. And I was going to ask Caitlin to come up. Come on, Caitlin. You can choose my better side. (laughs) So, 
I want to remind you that this is Caitlin, been a fantastic intern over 2020, probably the most tumultuous year in our church's history, <laughs> um, yet she's been such a pillar of faithfulness, godliness, and dependability. And Caitlin uh, only signed up for a year as an intern. Her portfolio did this and this throughout the year. <laughs> so I couldn't actually know where, which was your major responsibility because you just helped out so much. But um, yeah, I must say, Caitlin, you've been very special to us on team. And Caitlin's heading off this year to go study. Is it in Bloom? It's in Bloom, yes. And you're going to be studying OT? Yes, yes that's right. And so she's starting her new season for the next four years in another city, but she'll be back to visit. She considers this her home. Hopefully she'll be back to stay after her degree, nudge, nudge. But um, Caitlin, I just wanted to commend you on behalf of the eldership, on behalf of your teammates. You've been amazing. And um, I just want to commend you before the church and to say you came in and I thought, I mean, I think that you saw yourself in being less capable than what you really are. Uh, Caitlin has found her stride and her voice in the Lord, and the Lord's got his hand on you. And we are so excited to see what he's going to be doing in your life in the years ahead, particularly in worship. Um, also, it was very successful that, that Bryce and her are now hitched. <laughs> Bryce, unfortunately, couldn't be here this morning. He's in Chill Church. He's our post-grade intern. But um, yeah, also exciting things happening there. So if Bryce stays, maybe we'll get Caitlin back. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you to stay there, okay, because we're going to pray for you in a moment. But um, there's also a big announcement for Dane and Kerry. So do you guys want to give us an update as to what is happening in June for you two um, to the church? Cool. Firstly, if I'm panting and seem like <laughs> adrenaline's pumping through my veins. Uh, this, is, this is the first time we've had to fly everything together in a long while, and so our team has been pretty stretched this morning, but it's, it's going well. It's so going especially well. for the online guys, so you know what happened this morning, and this stuff doesn't happen. I managed to break off the HDMI cable inside the video camera this morning, and so I was panically running around trying to source a different solution to make it work. So just be glad you're able to watch us this morning, but that's also why I'm sweating and, um, yeah, panting a bit. Um, yes, so we, um, yeah, we have been here for, we have been here together for... 13, 13 years, years. Wow. and I've been here since I was born, uh, 35, Which is how, 35, 35 years. years. Yeah, he's much older than I am. Been yeah, through <laughs> exactly one month. <laughs> he likes to claim it. Uh, been through many, many seasons at Sterling mm. from when we were still a small church um, on that side only uh, to where we are now through the tough times and the good times. Um, but we came to a place uh, just over two years ago uh, where we started feeling a, a prompting from the Lord, um, and uh, we started pursuing that together with the elders, and um, we've come to the decision today uh, that we are needing to make a move. And the reason for that is that um, we have a, a kid that needs uh, more attention uh, than we're able to give here. And so we're looking at uh, making a move all the way to Canada. Um, because of their education system. Uh, you guys might, some of you might have known, we went through the uh, February last year to go scope out the land, um, and uh, we've, been, we've spent the year uh, just processing that and praying through that, and we feel like it is the right thing. Uh, we went together with the elders and had a meeting with them, and they feel peace with us as well, um, that we're not making any rash decisions or anything like that, but, but we're really putting our family first and making a move forward. And so, yeah, so the decision is that um, we will end our term here at Sterling at the end of June, 
and from there we will look to emigrate over to Canada and just make a fresh start as a family. So I mean, when they say that we were happy and at peace with the decision, we want you to know that our tears were shed and it's taken about uh, two years to process personally because these guys have been mates, we did internship together. But I, I want to commend them as a couple because they have felt this prompting for a long time but have faithfully said, Lord, we are not going to move until you tell us to because this is our family. And they have served exceptionally well. And uh, Dane, if it wasn't for your gifting in this last year, we would not have what we have today. And my, my wife made a joke, but it was true. She said, Dane started his own church online, which is right. And uh, Kerry as well, you've just been such a wonderful warmth. And on our staff team and on a Sunday, um, this lady is exceptionally gifted and makes things happen. And so for us, we really had to probe hard because this is a couple we don't want to let go of easily. But we are confident that they do feel a spiritual call to Canada. So as well as it's for their family particularly and um, for their eldest boy, they do also feel this strange tugging that this is a country where God is planting them to, which we celebrate. Uh, they're going for the kingdom. And um, for them as a family, they've really made some big faith steps. Do you want to tell us what you've done already over the, since the, I think it was the end of last year? Tell us what's happened in terms of some faith steps towards going to Canada. I'm going to reverse just a little Go bit. Go for it, yeah. Um, so, yeah, as Matt and Dana both said, we've been on this journey for a few years. Um, it actually started with a few scriptures as far back as four years ago, um, which we, they weren't very clear, so we didn't want to act on anything hastily. We just prayed over it, and then about two years ago, God brought some prophetic words that affirmed those previous scriptures, and that's when we began to pursue it more mm -hmm. aggressively, I would say. But God gave me a word from Isaiah 51 that said, um, do not go in haste. Um, the Lord will go before you. The Lord will be your rear guard. And so we really just rested that God was taking us on a journey and preparing us for a new season. And this wasn't going to be a, a quick change or a quick jump. And so we were journeying with the elders and praying. And then we went down to Cape Town last year and were part of the Advance International Conference. And going down there, our hearts were open to God for him to speak to us and really give us clarity what this next step should look like. And at the time, we were really praying that we would be staying in South Africa. It's where all our family is. Mm. Um, I particularly was longing for a season of ministry in Cape Town because that's where my parents and my siblings are. Surprise. And so that's where I was kind of, you know, fingers crossed, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, God. That If you want us to go to a new season, that's where it should be, you know. But God doesn't take orders. Um, and so we went to this conference and a pastor jumped up on stage and just shared that he was part of a church plant in Canada and just shared the cultural dynamic the fact that it's a very young country, it's a very post-church country, it's a very diverse country. Um, and just as he shared, Dane and my heart were both stirred. And so Dane went and had coffee with him afterwards. And we were invited just to go visit that church for a month at the start of last year. And although there was no job opportunity at that church, we really did just fall in love with the country. And so as we looked into the country, we discovered just that they have this incredible special aid program for special needs children. Um, and as we had just gotten a diagnosis for our own son, Samuel, that he is atypical and has extra needs that just can't be met in a mainstream school, it just felt like God was lining up the needs of our family with where our heart was for ministry. And so it got us really excited and we started praying into that. Um, and yeah, we've just felt um, a sudden peace and release from God that now is the time. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, together with the elders, we've decided to draw a line in the sand so that um, you as a church can also process what God has in store for SBC in the next season. So uh, to equip themselves, they've started the Church Planters course, which was a part of them just growing and how can they more effectively use their gift for serving church and getting stuck in for mission. Um, but also you guys have sold your house. 
We did. So <laughs> that for us was a really big faith leap because we don't yet have jobs on the other side, but we felt we needed to take action steps of faith and obedience to what God had showed us. And so we put our house on the market and within 24 hours, our house was sold. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was five o'clock on the Saturday. It went live. Um, 6 a.m. on Sunday, someone phoned the estate agent and said, we want that place. They came in the afternoon, Monday morning, it was signed, um, which, I mean, if you know the real estate market, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it was a it was a confirmation for us um, that we are doing the right thing. I mean, I'm sure you know, like there can be these little doubts all the way along the way. Or oh, maybe we're not doing the right thing, but we just we have been reassured over and over again by the Lord that um, we're stepping into what we should be doing uh, in this next season. Even for me, just like a, a God just going above and beyond moment was as we prayed about selling our house, I prayed that God would provide a Christian family for our home. We love our complex and the people that we lived amongst, and we really saw them as people that we were ministering to, and we didn't want that to change. And God provided a young married couple with small children who are also Christians, and we're just trusting that they will continue to be a blessing um, to our complex community. So what we are going to be doing is we're going to be working hard as an eldership to re-strategize our staffing team. These two play a very significant role. Um, and so we are going to be working over the next couple of months, and we'll bring update on that at our AGM in June, hopefully, uh, Lord willing. I'm learning James is very right, if the Lord wills. Um, and then also just from, from your side, what, is, what are the major prayer requests going forward that you would just love the church to stand with you as we navigate uh, the season together? Yeah, I think one is our family. Um, there is a lot of changes, um, and especially with young kids, uh, those of you who have know that change can often cause uh, unsteadiness in the home. Um, so just that the Lord would just keep us, um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but hold us close. Um, and then one of the major things is this is a big faith step for us. Um, we need jobs in Canada to be able to go there. Um, and so just pray for that we would have favor in the eyes of employers over there as we apply for jobs. We're not necessarily heading straight into a church job, but we don't see that as not having a ministry um, because we have a ministry wherever we work as does everyone here. Um, and so we're not necessarily looking straight for a church job. Um, we want to be able to put our family first and church requires all of your heart, your soul, your mind. You're invested 24 seven in it. Um, and we want to invest in uh, our family. We want to be able to make sure that we settle strong and well. Um, and so primarily we're looking at Kerry. She's younger and therefore gets more <laughs> points uh, on the system. Um, Prettier too. <laughs> 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 um, yes, so uh, that's, that would be our primary thing. And also, I mean, if you do have connections uh, over there, just to let us know. Uh, we are looking at uh, Calgary um, as the place where we want to move. I know that's a super cold place, uh, but we've got family there, uh, and that would make sense uh, for us to settle. So, guys, we're going to pray for you now. We want to make it very clear, church, that we believe that God's will for them is the best will for us. And God has really looked after our church so well. So as much as it's a faith step for them, it's a faith step for us. But God has come through, so we trust Him. Um, and so just want to give you one more opportunity to say something. Um, I asked them to say, what encouragement would you like to leave SBC with as um, a word from the Lord for us? Um, and I think part of why God took so long in this journey is because He had to grapple with some stuff in my own heart. Mm -hmm. And I think for a very long time, um, my identity has been very wrapped up in what I do for God and not who I am in God. Um, and it's taken some time to sever that, especially during this COVID period of not being able to minister the way I used to minister. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I felt like if God was releasing me from Sterling, what did that mean for Sterling? Um, and then I really felt just rebuked by God. Um, and I felt him say to me, Kerry, do you think I love you more than I love SBC? Um, which of course, I was like, of course not, God. And he's like, well, then don't you think if I have a new season for you, I have a new season for SBC. Um, and he led me to a passage in Nehemiah where they're rebuilding the wall. And it speaks about someone who laid the foundation and then they moved out and someone came in and built up the doorpost and then they moved out and then someone came and hung the doors. Mm. And God just showed me that there's always seasons in building. And God has spent a long time rebuilding this church in the last three years um, since we went through our leadership crisis. And I just felt God give me peace that I've played my part in that rebuilding. And as he moves me out, he's going to move someone else in that's going to take Sterling to the next level. And so I just have complete faith for this church that God is doing something amazing here. And he is rebuilding us or rebuilding you. Um, and he's going to bring someone in here that's going to take Sterling to where he wants it to be. And so, yeah, as I leave, it's with great sadness, but also with great excitement for what God has in store for Sterling next. Thanks so much. And I think with that in mind, um, uh, through the seasons that I've been here, there's, there's a few keystones that Sterling has been. One is the love for the next generation. Um, and I want to say, I am even charge you, like, don't give up on that. Um, the next generation are being bombarded uh, from this world, uh, and they need the truth. Um, and so don't let that just be the pastor's job to look after the next generation, but let us all have a heart for the next generation. Um, two, uh, Sterling has also been uh, known for the love for right and true doctrine. Um, don't ever give up on that. If anyone stands up here and preaches something that is contrary to true doctrine, then you need to come speak to the elders. Don't um, steal my sermon. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're preaching today? Yes. Oh, yes. that's cool. <laughs> well, then you'll hear it. Um, but it, but it's, it's so true. Like that, Those are two key, key cornerstones. And worship. Um, Sterling has always been known as a church who loves to worship the Lord. And I, I think those three things, if I think about my life in ministry and what I've experienced at Sterling, um, I would say to you, church, like those are the three things from me that you need to hold on to as you go into the future. Next generation, doctrine, and worship. Um, if you hold on to those three things, um, you, you will be strong. Awesome. Can I ask us all to stand? I'm going to ask Mark. And uh, can you come a bit closer? <laughs> come a bit closer. There you go. Can I ask us just where you are, stretch out your hand. We do it as a sign of unity, as to bless them. Uh, we're going to commit Caitlin, and we're going to commit these, um, this couple to the Lord. Uh, this is family, so let's do that together. All right. What a privilege, Lord, it is to have family in Christ. And the joy of partnering for the gospel, Lord. And we know, we see throughout Acts how these seasons come and go. But Lord, the fruit of your kingdom goes on and on and on. I'm so grateful, Lord, that your kingdom is big, it's wide, it involves the nations, and we get to sow our best in Dan and Kerry, Lord, out to this country that needs the blessing of Christ. And so, Lord, we want to commission them today. Lord, you see the areas they're trusting you for work. Lord, they've stepped out in obedience to what you've said to them boldly. Lord, won't you come in honor? Lord, that scripture that says, those who trust in you will never be put to shame. Lord, we pray today for your blessing, your anointing, your opening of doors in Canada for them. Lord, might they just know that this is the way that you've called them to more and more, that their, their sense of your leadership and clarity would grow. But Lord, also we pray. We pray not only for them, for their family and the cohesion of their family, but we also pray for an amazing church for them. Lord, that when they go over, we've just seen how they have served and expanded SBC's capacity for the gospel. We want to pray that blessing for them in the, in the nation that's waiting for them. We want them to have a great church. 
We want to pray for their, their boy, Lord, and, and their sons. We pray for their family. It would be a season of blessing for them, Lord, and prospering for Carrie and Dane in work, Lord. We're thankful for what you've deposited here through them, but we're so excited to see what you're going to deposit in Canada through them, Lord. And we're so grateful for that today, and we commit them to you. And we also want to pray for Caitlin this morning. We're thankful for this, this sister in the faith, for the way that, Lord, you have prospered her in her faith. She's growing in leaps and bounds, and we're thankful that that too is the same for her. Dan and Kerry are going to Canada. She's going to bloom. Lord, won't you just make her light shine? Give her a church family where she gets grafted into and can be a blessing. But Lord, might her desire to see the lost come to know Jesus and the sense of her purpose might it grow in bloom like never before. Lord, we're thankful for the way that you grow team. We're thankful for the way that you grow us in these seasons, Lord. We're so thankful for what you have in store for us as Sterling. You're not done yet, Lord. You've been so good to us. And so we commission ourselves again as a church to trust you. And we're thankful for your hand upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kate. And if you have any questions for Dan and Kerry, you can ask them. I'm sure they'd love to uh, talk through that. But um, thanks so much, guys. All right. Okay, well, so I get ready, once you get your Bibles open to 2 Peter chapter 2, <clears throat> excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 2, oh, there we go, I'm going to grab my notes here, all right, guys, please don't forget the five days of prayer and fasting this week, it's going to be special, and I'm looking forward to hearing how God is going to speak to us as a church. So, uh, but let's turn our attention now to God's Word in 2 Peter chapter 2. And I'm going to be reading from verse 9 this morning. And uh, again, it is quite uh, direct. And uh, <laughs> this language is pretty uh, colorful. So let's read it together from 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They counted pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions whilst they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. We are dealing with this awesome text this morning because it's forming part of what Peter is wanting to build in us as a church and what he's wanting to build in the lives of the Christians who are listening to him as this letter is being read. Peter's purpose is this, is to get us to live a godly life for Jesus. That is why you were born. If you're wondering why on earth you're here, 
You have one purpose that doesn't change. It might wear different clothes in different seasons, but the heart of it is the same. You are called to worship Jesus by living for him. And Peter, being a brilliant elder, he knows, okay, well, if these guys are going to get to living for Jesus, what are the things in his or our lives that are going to trip us up? And he says, the first thing is so simple. It's forgetfulness. That's why we've called this whole series, Priceless, is Christian, please don't forget what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. Amen? It's the greatest thing that can happen to a person. It's priceless. But then he says, because it's priceless, don't be careless. And it's possible today church, that you can so have this born-again faith and do nothing with it, that you are fruitful and ineffective in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need to add certain qualities to our faith. But he also says, we don't want you to neglect Scripture. It's so important today that we treat it as a light in a dark or a lamp shining in a dark place. And lastly, what we're dealing with today is false teaching. Now, I would rather be preaching on something else this morning, as you can hear. <laughs> I hope you are sympathetic to the text. And Joe got to preach a nice sermon last week. I'm getting all the doozies. But anyway, this morning, I want to ask the question. Shame, do you know if the live feed room, it is open if you want to take them there. So anyway, we do family, so it's fine. We, we've made provision for you. But um, what I was going to say is this is, you cannot, you cannot walk away from Second Peter this morning without seeing how dangerous false teaching is. And it's not very popular in our day and age to talk about assertive truth, definite truth, but there is. And I want to, again, please, we're not talking about this because we like being controversial. We're talking about this because... We believe that we must not be naive as Christians. We are to be a discerning people for the following reasons. Can I just quickly restate them for you this morning? Please listen carefully to me. Peter says, there have always been false teachers around and there will always be false teachers around. They're here. They're out there. They're preaching. They're teaching. And Jesus says in Mark chapter 13, he says, False Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect, the born-again believer, the person who has the Holy Spirit. He says, therefore, be on guard. I have told you all these things before. And Jesus took this seriously. And please, Christians listening today, you have to take this seriously. Jesus himself did. But Peter also says this. The reason why we take false teaching seriously is he predicts these false teachers' success. He says, many will follow their sensuality. It's not that they're going to be in a corner. They're going to be mainstream successful teachers. But he also points out to say, the reason why false teaching must be so serious in the mind of the Christian is the outworking of the false teaching brings damage to the name of Christ and to the Christian faith. Can I remind you, Christian, the way you live reflects the glory of Jesus. We don't have the luxury or permission to divorce what we like from what God wants. Is our lives are being on display before the world. And false teaching leads to a twistedness that leads to a, a, a blasphemous, it talks, that's a strong word, the world looking at Jesus and laughing at him. 
But then also we see the reason why we must take false teaching so seriously is because of the judgment upon false teachers. Peter gives three awesome examples from Scripture to say these men and women are not going to get away with it. But also they lead those who follow them into the same destruction. And so Peter calls us to stand in the story of Noah. Christian, in this day and age, you have to stand. You have to stand. And Peter's not finished with them yet. And I'm going to show you today by God's grace, I'm hoping, the reason why he goes into such awful language is he's doing it for you and for me. He wants us to be able to identify false teaching and those who teach it with great clarity. So I'm going to open up with verse 9 and 10 this morning. And my first point, it's a bit strange, but I'm going to ask you just to, to track with me this morning because this point is really important. <laughs> and the first point is this, is false teachers make it onto an infamous list, an infamous list of judgment. And I'm going to read together from, let's read together from verse 9 in our Bibles. It says, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials, and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And here it is. And especially those. They get special mention. There's going to be a special roll call. And especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful. They do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Peter goes out of his way to say, Christians listening this morning, there's going to be a special roll call for these false teachers. The Greek word is melista. It says, and most of all, who's going to be under punishment and going to be publicly displayed at the day of judgment? Most of all, to the greatest degree, those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Now, bear with me as I unpack this this morning. Every person outside of Christ, the unrighteous, when they die, they go to punishment, and on the day of judgment, there is a public display of sin being judged. But like the Christian who wants to get onto the roll call of well done, good and faithful servant, I hope that's what you're living for, you wanting Jesus' well done. These false teachers, these unregenerate, unborn again teachers who are trying to influence the church are going to get on the list of special mention when Jesus comes at the second coming for their teaching. It's almost too terrible to imagine. I don't know what can be worse than having to stand before Christ and Him saying, you cannot come into my heaven. But let me tell you, it's an outplaying of James chapter 3, verse 1, when James says, not many of you should be teachers because We'll, we'll be judged more strictly than others. In other words, even the false teacher, though he's not even born again, he hasn't even got the Spirit of God in him, he's going to get a special mention because he's tried to influence the church. And Peter goes on to say, it's not just judgment then, it's a coming judgment in this life already. I mean, it comes through in verse 13 powerfully. He says, false teachers, these guys, they are already suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. Wow. And he goes on to say in verse 14, do you know what God calls these people? Accursed, which means they have come under a verbal declaration of judgment already because 
of their false teaching. Now, now, let me just take a step back. I don't want God to sound harsh this morning. But I want you to understand why God says these things to these people through this prophet or apostle Peter. These false teachers have gone to an extreme in sin. I, 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 I almost, it's so troubling for me this morning. This is happening in the church. Peter's having to address guys who have secretly come in. But why God is so severe on these men and women is because they have pushed through all boundaries of decency and pushed to the extreme the envelope on sin. The ESV translates the word they're bold and willful. The Greek means they're daring. Now, as a Christian, we're called to be daring for Christ, right? We're called to do things for the kingdom, to be bold in sharing our faith, to do things for Jesus. These guys were doing the exact opposite. What they were doing is they were being daring in how far they were willing to push the envelope on sin. Now, I don't know what kind of picture that paints in your mind this morning, but I hope it's painting a picture of how far gone these people were. I'll, I'll translate verse 10 in these words. This is the literal translation of the Greek. It says, and most of all, and most of all, to the, the ones going in the opposite direction, God's going to judge most of all, the ones going in Apiso, the opposite direction of the flesh. Here Peter's saying, come Christians, let's run for Jesus. Let's live for Jesus. Let's go and serve Jesus with all of our might. And Peter's saying, these guys couldn't care. They know about the way of righteousness. We'll see at the end of chapter 2. They have an understanding of the gospel. It doesn't bother them. They know what God has commanded, but they're going in the opposite direction. And they're going as hard as they can. Longing for what is forbidden. That's what the Greek says. Driven by a desire for what is forbidden, for what morally contaminates and corrupts and is unclean. And their attitude is this, thinking down upon, having a low opinion of authority. Now, these guys were under severe judgment because they were going as daringly as possible in the exploration of sin, being driven by their appetites, their unbridled passions. And they were so extreme. I have to paint out the extremity of this because it, it makes sense at Peter's language towards him. They are so extreme that they break through God's common grace boundaries to humanity to restrain us from going all the way. First of all, they broke through conscience. Do you know what it means to have a conscience? It's that voice inside of you which goes, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't go down that path. <laughs> and these guys, instead of listening to it, we all have it by the grace of God. Some of us are a bit more sensitive conscience than other. Conscience isn't perfect, but it's a restraining force. Peter says, these guys don't listen to their conscience. They're irrational animals, creatures of instinct. In other words, far from obeying this inner sense of don't do it, calling to your mind to think about what you're doing, calling your faculties of your thought and your reason to analyze your behavior, to say, if you do this, you're going to hurt that person. If you do this, you're going to damage your body. If you do this, you're going to go down a path of destruction. Although they had this voice inside of them, they became just like animals. And whatever they felt, that's what they wanted to do. Whatever urge in the moment was propelling them, they gave into it. They broke the realm of conscience. More than that, 
They break the realm of godly counsel. Peter says they despise authority. What does Peter mean by that? Is these apostles and elders of the local churches were telling them, you must stop teaching this and you must desist from your sin. It was like water off a dog's back. They despised God's ordained safety mechanism of church leadership. And more than that, might I even say it is so disturbing that they even go way beyond the bounds of what was considered decent in pagan society. That's the shocking part for me. Don't you hear Peter's words when he says, because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. In society, their behavior was becoming so scandalous in its permissiveness and going after sin, even the pagan Roman Empire was shocked by these people. Not even the common grace of public opinion on what decency should be was keeping them in. They went all the way and they ignored all the warning signs along the path. And what is happening here, friends, is Romans chapter 1, where God says, because they're suppressed through their conscience, through the, the revelation of a God who's designed this universe, through this understanding that there is a bigger picture to their lives, they suppressed all that truth and made it just fundamentally an individual experience, is, is because of this, God handed them over to the futility of their minds. They could no longer think and like an animal, they had become a being which just responded to instinct and to urges of the flesh. Now, would you agree with me this morning? That's a terrible picture. You can nod your head. You've got masks. I don't know what you say. <laughs> it's terrible. Now I'll be asking, Matt, what on earth are you going on about this morning? What has this got to do with me? Friends, the scary part is this. Please listen to me this morning. I'm going to do my best to unpack it as best I can. If you had to speak to these false teachers, you know what they would have said to you? What they would have called their, their agenda in their false teaching is they would have said, we're liberators. We're liberators. Peter says they promise freedom in verse 19. Do you know they would have believed that their teaching brought freedom of self-expression. That's what they would have said. We are setting the human race free to discover who they are by giving in to what they feel. Doesn't that sound familiar? Liberating self-expression and self-discovery by saying, do you want to know how you're going to discover who you are? Christians is by giving in to what you feel. And I want to say to you today, friends, this is the core of postmodernism culture to the nth degree. Don't follow your rational thoughts. Don't follow what your parents and society say. Listen to me carefully. Translate this into Netflix and Disney and all these things that are preaching this message to us as 21st century human beings. Don't worry what society said. Don't worry about fussy old traditions. You must liberate yourself from every external authority. Your highest authority is your feeling. What you feel is truth for you. Doesn't that sound similar? Let's use Disney's terms. Follow your heart. What is Disney essentially saying? Is you follow your feelings. And Peter is saying, 21st century church, 21st century humanity, don't you know that if you live this way, where you follow as feeling what be, as being your ultimate truth, you're no better than an animal? 
What distinguishes the human being from the animal world? It is this ability to have this glorious mind to assess behavior and say, this is a destructive pathway, not only to myself and the world around me, and this is a constructive pathway of, of, of behavior. So therefore, I resist some urges or I give in to some good ones in order to become a human being that is dignified, self-controlled, has a purpose and meaning in this world, that has an ability to assess and analyze and be productive. Look at the animals. How do they live? They're groveling. Instead of being free, they are following everything they desire. There's a lion, and he sees a lioness, he'll just mate with her. He'll see a cub, he'll just kill it. He'll see a, a, a poor little uh, impala calf, or whatever they call it. I don't know what little buck he's called. You can help me after the service. And, they play, and he cruelly plays with it. He is nothing more than the sum total of his feelings. Not so? Let me tell you, it is the greatest blasphemy that can be preached in the world today that's saying, is that God's design for the pinnacle of his creation? Is that God's design for you? Let me tell you, God made you in his image. Anybody listening here today, the truth about you is God made you in his image and he said, it is very good. When he looked at the animal world, he said, that's good. When he made you, he said, it's very good. Do you know why? Because he made you in his image, and part of his image is giving you this mind that is able to, to reason, this mind that's able to learn, this mind is able to analyze, this mind is able to communicate, this mind is able to go vastly beyond the animal world itself. And friends, let's not forget the position of humanity in this world. Is we are to rule over the animal world, shepherd it, we are not to become like it. I want to ask you, what do you define your life as this morning? What are you following? Do you just follow feeling? What feels good for me? What feels like truth for me? Let me tell you, church, we need to be disturbed. I'm disturbed this morning by where culture is going. Because what is the sum total of this attitude of saying, I have no authority. I despise authority. You cannot tell me what I must believe. You cannot tell me who I am. You cannot tell me. There is no greater authority in this universe apart from my feeling. And it's me giving in to my feelings that I find out who I are. Do you know where that leads us as a human race, as a church? It's bondage. Why do I say bondage? Because you are held captive to what you feel. You know better than an animal. And I have kids. You must, you must understand. I have a three-year-old and a, and a five-year-old this morning. Is that the human race that is going to be sold to them? Not on my watch. Church, we've got a message in the gospel. Do you know what the message of the gospel is? Human life matters. Human life has dignity. Human life has purpose. Human life has destiny. Human life has a part to play in this world. It is so glorious. It is so dignifying. And it is so, it is so different to these animals around us. But you listen to culture today, you listen to music, you listen to media, you listen to the popular shows of the day, it is raw instinct that we are being encouraged to follow. It's dangerous. And might I just give a fresh clarion call to the church today, to myself, we must resist it because let me tell you, the outworking of this philosophy today 
is to see man being degraded to the sum total of feeling. To the urge of the moment. That's what truth has become. But there's a much better way in the gospel. There's a much better way in Jesus. Now, I take my time on this point this morning because my second point is this. Remember, the purpose of this series at this section of TPD is to go, how can you identify false teaching? Well, you can analyze it like I've just done. Let's just think clearly about what these people are saying. What is the outworking of their philosophy? And that's what we must do. But linked to that is the second point is we need to examine. We need to examine a teacher's lifestyle or behavior. You see, a teacher will produce something through their teaching in their own life and in the lives of those around us. And, and when you are assessing, okay, what's this person saying to me right now? You're not just assessing the message, you're assessing the man. Very important. And it's much harder nowadays with all the YouTube glitz and glamour, right? I'm sure there's a few filters that could make me look a lot better than what I do. But the point is this. Why does Peter go through such painful detail in the characteristics of these people's lives? It's painful. I mean, I, there's no joy in reading this, and there's no joy in him writing it, I'm telling you now. It's so that he can help his people see. When they see this behavior, there's a red flag. When they see this in the church, or hear this, or observe this, there's a red flag. He's guarding his people by saying, don't just look at the message, look at the man or woman. Now, I am not saying that a man who, or woman who faithfully wants to teach the truth is never going to fall. It's one of the things I have to think about. I'm hoping I'm going to finish well, but I'm not immune to stumbling in sin. But what can happen is you can have a sincere person who is preaching the truth and can stumble. It happened this last week. A great personal figure that has been a great blessing to the church preached truth, stumbled badly, and it's only come out after he's died. But you see, the difference is this. Please listen to this. Is a person who knows the truth, when they are sinning, will do it in a corner because they know their life does not match up to the truth. There's a difference. These guys were not like that. These guys were saying, truth is permissiveness. We are living the truth by flaunting our permissive sin, by exploring even to the unnatural degree our urges and passions. There's a big difference. And if you can see a man or person, a woman, oh, sorry, ladies, if you can see a man or woman who is flaunting certain behavior, it's a warning sign. And that's the difference, is false teaching often, it's not a perfect one, but often false teaching will produce a public boldness and willfulness to acknowledge their own sin. Now, I want to make another important point this morning is how do you analyze a teaching when it comes to you? Well, it's linked to this point I'm making is you have to look carefully at what their attitude towards sin is. You see, there's a link here. You must ask yourself, in this person, in all the glitz and glamour or however they are presenting it, do they ever talk about sin? Do they ever call you out on it? I'm not talking about they're talking about it all the time. I mean, no one wants to listen to a preacher like that. He's always talking about sin and sin and sin. But is it on the radar? And thirdly, 
What is the remedy for that sin? That's what you must pay attention to very carefully. Because why? When you look at how they handle sin, you're getting to right, right to the heart of the issue. Because can I ask you this morning and those watching online, what is the greatest problem between us and God? It is our... Like you're going to have to, you all got masks and I don't know what you're saying. It is, it's, it's our, say it loudly, sin. Now that is something profound. Because a false teacher will not talk about sin being the central issue necessary. I'll get to the problem if they do. But, it, but generally speaking, the false teacher doesn't talk about sin. They will say the problem is your lack of money. They will say you've got to sow to this ministry. You've got to buy this this holy oil, you've got to say these certain prayers, or you've got to make an appointment with the man of God for 3,000 rand, and then you can get the blessing that you need. The appointment is you haven't slotted into my ministry. That's your problem. That's why you're failing. Or it could be that it's your low self-esteem. That's your biggest problem with God. He'll never talk about sin. He'll never say that it's not your personal image that's your problem with God. It's your sin. Do you believe that this morning, church? That the greatest problem that the world is facing is not low self-esteem. It's not the lack of self-actualization. It's not the lack of financial opportunity. The greatest problem mankind has is their sin before God. It's so clarifying. It gets right to the heart of the issue. And friends, if you never hear them talk about sin, it's always about the supernatural. It's always about the money. It's always about the psychology. It's always the 12 steps to a better you. I've got the perfect theme song. If I was a teacher like that, Jules, I thought about you. Julie Birch loves Roxette. And I would, I would walk on the stage and I'm going to get blessed for success. Shaping it up for the big time, baby. Get blessed for success. That's how I would do it. Probably make a lot of money too. But let me tell you what. These, 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 second, Peter te these second Peter false teachers, they did not care about sin. In actual fact, when you even mention the sin and God's judgment upon sin, they would have laughed. They would have said, what nonsense. Enjoy yourself. Discover yourself. Find freedom of expression. Why am I saying sin is so important? Because at the heart, please listen to me this morning, of our Christian message is God's remedy for sin. Amen. It is the cross and a person who's preaching Christ faithfully and is preaching what the real remedy for our problem in this world is. It's the cross. It's the cross. It's the cross. It's the gospel because we know as Christians what the greatest problem is. That's why we can be the best help to the world because we are calling people to God's greatest solution. Amen. It's Jesus. It's this wonderful thing of God so loving the world that he gave his one and only son. He didn't come to give a better self-esteem. All that stuff, let me tell you, is a secondary benefit of the gospel. That's how you see, is the gospel central to this message? Ah, how do you know it? I spoke a couple of weeks ago saying, is Jesus central? Let me tell you, the way Jesus becomes central is if you realize that he came to be the central solution to a massive problem called sin. And so you must assess these things. Friends, even if they talk about sin, you must ask yourself this question. What is their remedy for it? Not so. Let me tell you, I've watched Christians, I've watched myself at times, go down a road of legalistic bondage to solve this problem that we have. It's the supernatural. It's the special deliverance course. It's the building up of your self-esteem. It's all of these things. It's giving all money. They will offer all of these remedies to deal with this problem of sin, but none of them work unless it's coming to a wholehearted dependence upon Jesus Christ. Faith plus nothing in Christ plus nothing equals this deliverance from the bondage of sin. Amen? 
We must, we must watch these guys. We must discern. We must analyze their attitude. Let me tell you, you will get very quickly to the heart of their teaching if you examine where they are on sin. You must also, my third point is, <laughs> you, must also, <laughs> you must examine their ego. <laughs> I, I don't want to preach on this because I know I am not perfect in this area. But Peter says this, guys, Second Peter, false teachers, they despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble. They don't even tremble when they blaspheme the angelic world. That's how great their ego is. That's how much their stride is, is they feel so confident to call things out that they are ignorant about. It's called pride. It's what caused Satan to fall. You know how dangerous pride is? Please listen to me this morning. It will make you continue to go in a direction even when correction has happened. Even when Satan fell from heaven, he continued to persist in defying God. That is the essence of pride. And I want to say, the way it rolls out was essentially how it happened with Satan. Satan could not stand being under authority. That's the point, is he didn't like this God of heaven saying to him, this is what you must do. This is the glory and worship you must give me. Satan couldn't handle the fact that he had to have a higher authority than himself. God help us this morning. And it's the same with the false teacher. You must watch carefully. Even the apostles in Scripture submitted to each other. When Paul rebuked Peter for withdrawing from eating with Gentiles in, Genesis, in, in, in Galatians chapter 2, he, he said, I'm sorry, you're right, Paul. When James said to Paul in Acts, you've got to go and, 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 and go through this ritual of cleansing in the temple because of the Jews and their anger and hatred towards you, Paul submitted. There was an atmosphere in the New Testament church of mutual submission. When you listen to a guy or a girl preaching, you must ask yourself, who are these guys connected to? What network of authority are they a part of? Because let me tell you, more often than not, the false teacher is a law unto themselves, and they enjoy autonomy. And it comes through in their behavior, in their language. They are dismissive. There's no sense of team around them. There's no sense of mutual men and women who are able to have access to their lives. It's about them and their ministry and their message, full stop. Some of the things you can look for is, do they love titles? Doctor, apostle, prophet, da, 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 da. Jesus said, you call no man father. He said, you don't even call me good. Goods for God. You give glory to God. You don't inflate any man or any woman with titles that feed the ego. Do they make themselves the brand for their ministry? Do they talk about themselves and their experiences all the time? That's how they often work. I've had this and this experience, and I've done this and this and this, and I prayed for this and this. And this. I tell you, in the end, you admire them more than you admire Jesus. Is he the man who has the sacred anointing? God forbid that anyone else could do ministry and the camera catch it. Is it just him? Is their speech honoring? Or is it brazen? That's where Peter says, these guys go where angels fear to tread. They, these, these second Peter teachers, they were materialists. They mocked at any concept of the devil or the demonic. 
They laughed at anything that would bring judgment. And I want to say this. It's, it's an important one. What is the atmosphere around them? Do people simper around them and it's their fan club and everybody's got to worship the ground on which the holy man or God or woman walks? Is there a servant-heartedness? Is there a sense of a willingness to be accessible to the body of Christ? And I want to say we must be careful of social media ministries. Never before has any Tom, Dick, and Harry been able to go up onto a YouTube channel and say, this is my ministry, this is what I'm going to preach, let me get the Google algorithms working for me, let me pay my advertisements to, to, to the, the multi-media uh, companies. No connection. No connection to the body of Christ, no connection to authority. It's simply a spewing of material that is unconnected to the wider body of Christ. And lastly, I'm going to end with this. You've been so good this morning. We are foolish to think to ourselves that this is just about other people. We need to know ourselves. Because the warning of Scripture is this, guys, we are all susceptible to it. Do you believe that this morning? Because if you don't, you're in trouble. I've had to say, Matthew, don't be so arrogant, my boy, that you don't think you're at risk here. And I... You can test me on this, but this is what I agree with Peter when he says that certain people are successful for these second Peter false teachers. Who were the people that gave into this teaching? It were those who had unsteady souls. There were godly people sitting in the room listening. They were offended by this teaching, but there were some who were new converts who are backslidden, barely escaping, it says, from the world around them, and the one who is unstable in personality. You've you got to know yourself. I've got to know myself. Are you one who swings to extremes at the drop of a hat? One week it's this, and the next week it's that. There is this vast swinging of extremes within your personality. Their teaching and the extremity of it would have appealed to you. Now, i ask you this morning, what are you like? Where are you susceptible? Do you have a weak conscience like myself? I'll tell you, guys like me are so worried about making mistakes. Teachers who come and tell you, these are the things you must do in order to be right with God. They're very appealing for me because I don't want to get it wrong. This perfectionism inside of me is I just, I want to make sure I can have a measurable outcome. That's how the cults do it. If you come and join us and you do these certain things, you, are find, you find your assurance of salvation in what you do, not in whom you've believed. Or maybe today you're a person who's highly intellectual. Let me tell you, it's, it's a risk. Intellectual pride. I can give you many, many examples of how people have wandered from the faith because they have not been objective about their willingness to accept the Bible as it comes. Or maybe you're an all or nothing personality. You, you look at the average church and you're critical. You think this is rubbish, this is nonsense. Why aren't you more passionate? Why aren't you more zealous? And, and you look at the moderate or middle ground church and you almost despise it for its unradicalism. Let me tell you, let, just because something's radical doesn't mean it's right. 
Please hear that today. You've got many ministries promising you the world through radical behavior. But let me tell you, we need Christians who are able to assess what that offer or the foundation of what that offer is. And I want to say to you today, if that's you, you are so dissatisfied with the church, well, there's a place for that. But I want to say to you this morning, just because something's radical doesn't mean it's right. Or let me tell you, and I've seen this, my last little subheading under this is, the seasons of your life make you radical and make you susceptible to false teaching. I've, I, when you're going through a serious or life-threatening disease, you will, you will do almost anything for healing. You, you will grasp at almost anything, understandably. But friends, we are not to throw away the Bible because God isn't answering our prayers in a certain way. No matter how painful that is, we still have to examine the truth. Or how about loneliness? Let me tell you, these cults are so successful because people feel so loved and welcomed into them. They will even throw away their brains because they've so grabbed their hearts. It's tragic. It's there. Are you lonely this morning? You're susceptible. Or how about this? You in financial need. Who are the people that are still imbibing this prosperity gospel? It's the poor. It's the poor of Africa. It's the poor of those who have got nothing and see those who have. And they're going, I'll do anything. I'll believe anything. I'll quote anything. I'll give anything to get what I so desperately need. We are foolish, friends, if we think we are not immune to these things. And so this morning... We ought to know ourselves. This isn't just something for the hyper-intellectual. This is for you. This isn't just an abstract theory that, oh, those who got theology degrees will deal with it. No! No Christian has the luxury this morning of stepping back and saying, I'm going to outsource my, my biblical development to men and women. Our faith is never secondhand. As we discover Christ... And this glorious message of the Bible through careful, close, attentive examination. No one must rob you of your stability in Christ. And so, examine the message. Examine the man, the behavior, lifestyle. Examine the ego. And then examine ourselves. And what we're going to do this morning as a part of our worship I'm going to ask Byron to come up and uh, for those watching online, we're going to take communion this morning. If you somehow have bread and grape juice, you're welcome to join us or whatever other uh, liquid would be appropriate. But this morning, we're going to celebrate the thing that keeps us close to Christ. What is the greatest problem that the world has? Can I hear you say it this morning? It is? And what is the greatest remedy to that sin? It is? The cross. The Jesus. On, and what are we celebrating this morning? holds us to what we know is true, not so. And so I'm going to lead us through a very simple way of us savoring the blessing of the truth that sets us free. This is liberty, friends. This is freedom. A clear conscience before God, a heart that's made soft to the Holy Spirit that you are now reachable to the God of heaven who wants to speak to you.
a sense of purpose where you know what you're living for. You're not afraid of the future. You're not afraid of death. You're not afraid of disease. You're not afraid of anything because Christ has so won. He has so proclaimed His victory through the cross and resurrection. As Christians, as we eat it this morning, we enjoy the fruits of Christ's labor. We celebrate what it means to be in Him. And so I'm going to ask Mark, I'm going to ask Dane, won't you just come up and get ready as we pray together? I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's all stand together. The way we do communion is with great soberness and joy, but we think. That's the point of it. We think. We are not people that just follow feeling this morning. Feelings are important, but they are to follow faith. That's how it works. And so, Lord Jesus, as we come to you, we want to examine ourselves. We want to think. We want to be close to you. The Jesus of the Gospels. The God of heaven and earth given to us in Scripture. We want you this morning, Lord. This is the expression of what we are doing. We are are eating and drinking of Christ. And so, Lord, we look back upon the cross this morning and we celebrate what Jesus has done. If you have not come to a place in your life this morning, whether you are watching or whether you are here in this building, you cannot take this cup and this bread unless you can look back and say, the cross is my only means for rescue. Don't touch this unless you are fully persuaded in your heart. That's you. You are drinking and eating and saying, this body and this cup represents my rescue. That's what you're saying. If that is not your heart and that is not where your salvation is, then you can't take it yet. But I'm trusting this morning that you're going to come with fresh eyes to say, no, this is me. And then we look up this morning, Lord, we want to just marvel at the glory of what it means to have you as Father. God, Father, Abba, the one who has sheltered us and shielded us, not just from hell, not just from the punishment of sin, no, much more. You've given us eternal life. You've given us such a hope and a future. Come what may, we know where we're going this morning and we know under whose hand we dwell. Praise God. Can you just say out loud, praise God this morning. Just say it in praise you, Jesus. We look up with worship this morning as we take the cup and we look in. Lord, we don't want to be fussy, miserable, introspective Christians. But Lord, we want to take this faith seriously where we've lost our joy. Lord, where have we stumbled this morning? Where we've been allowing our feelings to dominate us too much into sin. Where we can just know this morning, oh, that unrestraint, there's a part of my life, that's me. Lord, we want to get out of that quickly. We don't want to be in a funk this morning as as the English language says. We want to be in you. Is there any sin in your heart this morning? Anywhere that you've wandered where you know you shouldn't have? Anything that your hands have done that you know it shouldn't have? Any thoughts in your mind you know shouldn't be there? Any action that's being driven where you know God is just not blessing, but you're still doing it? Stop! Stop this morning! Stop! Stop where you are. Bring that to Christ. Repent. Turn away from it. Trust Him through obedience this morning as you worship Him with the cup and the And then lastly, Lord, this morning, we want to look to the future. Amen. We want to look to the coming of Christ. 
you said we are going, this is just a very small taste of the wedding feast, the banquet we're going to hold when you come again. Lord, we need this now more than ever. We are a people of hope and a future. And we are praying, Lord, this morning as we take the cup and the bread, might our hearts explode in worship and confidence of saying, Christ is coming. We want to be ready. We want to be ready. Help us this morning, Lord, we pray. Help us wrap our hearts around the wonder of Jesus. So that's you this morning. Come forward. Come and enjoy. Take of the element. Take of the cup. And go back to your seat and spend some time worshiping Jesus. And when you're ready, you just join in the corporate songs. Byron's going to start shortly, but don't let that rush you. We're not going to hurry this morning. You can go when you need to go, but you can stay for as long as you like. Let's just enjoy being close to Jesus. You can come forward.
coming on the clouds, kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break, as broken hearts declare His praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He is roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb Every knee will bow before Him So open up the gates Make way before the King of Kings comes to save, is here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He is roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. For the sins of the world, His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before
just sing words this morning, Lord. But mean them from the depths of our hearts. As we declare you as Lord, as Lion, as Victorious. to our five days of prayer and a day of fasting starting Wednesday we're asking for your spirit to move amongst us we are wanting to be a people filled Lord as we want to be a people that is ready Lord not only in the knowledge of your word but a willingness to do it so come Lord come in and minister to us as a body Lord we're praying that uh, it's going to be a special week we're praying for those that um, heard the word this morning help us God walk more carefully and more joyfully in Jesus thankful for this time, Lord. Amen. Amen. So, um, you got one more, Byron. We're going to carry on worshiping here, but those of you who need to go, you're welcome to. Those of you online, uh, we'll catch you next week. Don't forget the five days of prayer and day of fasting. We'll get that booklet out of you electronically, but looking forward to uh, joining together on Wednesday. See you next Sunday. Thank you so much. <laughs>